Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Don't spend, overspend, so you can be a blessing to the church. Everything belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord is your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms this covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So give to God what belongs to God. Now in our text, watch this, wake up right here. In our text, what you are giving to Caesar, we establish is not a gift. It belongs to Caesar. And what you are giving to God belongs to God. It is not a gift. So then the question, what belongs to God? What is Jesus talking about? Well, keep in mind the coin I mentioned had the image of Caesar on it and the coins were propaganda, proclaiming Caesar to be God and worshiping him. And Jesus saints, watch this, watch this. Jesus is saying, give to Caesar the taxes and the money due to Caesar, but do not give to Caesar what belongs to God. And what belongs to God? Worship. Jesus is saying, you can pay your taxes to Caesar, but don't you dare give your money, give your worship and your praise and your adoration to Caesar. You don't dare make him God. You see, Jesus is smart. Give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God what's God's. What is God's? Worship. Proclaiming him to be God. Not Caesar the August one, the divine one. He's not God. There is one God. And one mediator between God and man. Are you listening to me? One mediator between God and man. The man. You already know. Give to God. The question, what else belongs to God? Worship, yes. And how about this? Keep your pen. You belong to God. How about that? Are you following me? You belong to God. We, the Bible teaches, we bear the mark of God's image. And if you are a Christian, you have the super inscription of God on your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22 set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. And even if you're not a Christian, you are still, watch this, made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 tells us, and God said, let us make man in our 
image according to our likeness. And people who don't understand that humans are made in the image of God, pray for me. People who don't understand that humans are made in the image of God devalue life. They do. And that's why people can so easily and readily dismiss abortion. That is why. Because they say, and you know this is true, they say that in the womb the baby is not a life. They say it's a tissue. And if in fact it's just a tissue, well then you can say, well why not go ahead and have an abortion? It is just tissue. It is not tissue. So then you say to them, well, when does life begin? What trimester do you believe life begin? And do you understand that even there's legislation now in certain states where you can abort a baby or kill a baby even after it's outside of the mother's womb? Saints, I don't care how you dice it, slice it, ginsu, slice it, do whatever you want to do with it. That the Bible calls murder. It's a baby. Well, it's not a baby until it has life. But when does it have life? It can have life in the womb. Well, it has life when it can live on its own. Well, does that mean that someone who is paralyzed from top, from their head, they're living on a machine or some machines are helping their lungs to keep going or whatever? Does it mean that they don't have life? Does it mean that they're dead? Should we kill them too? Listen to this argument. Do you understand? And this all begins when we begin to devalue life because we don't look at people as made in the image of God. How so? Because we have a spirit. God is a spirit. We're able to love. God loves. We have some of the same attributes of God. We are not God. Say amen. Amen. We're made in the image of God. And as long as people continue to accept evolution and deny creation, our view of man decreases, abortion, murder killings, and doctor death will increase. So what else are we to give to God? We're to give to God not only our worship but, and our lives, but we're to give him our hearts, right? Say amen. And, and, we're, and we're, the Bible tells us, that we're to give to God our financial offerings, We're to bring to God our financial gifts. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse two on the first day of the week. And here I want you to get your pen ready on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. You hold on that idea. Hold on to that. No collections when I come. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six through eight. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also what saints? And y'all come on. He who sows sparingly will also what, saints? And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you as he is on the screen. So let each one of you give as he not grudgingly or of necessity for God. What loves a cheerful giver. Let me give you really quickly. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, I've given you these before. Let me give them to you again. Seven principles of giving. And there are probably more, but we have time for seven. I'm going to give you seven. Seven principles of giving. All right? Number one, our giving should be prearranged. The Bible tells us on the first day of the week 
The first day of the week was the day that the church met for church services. It was Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Sunday was the first day of the week and became the day that Christians would gather for church. And it's been that way ever since. Paul said on the first day of the week, I want you to prearrange a financial gift. In other words, you should. Now, we've talked about this, not going to spend a lot of time. You should have your gift ready. Get your gift ready at home. There's a lot of reasons for that. But prearrange it. Somebody asked me, as a matter of fact, as we've been talking about money matters, well, what about the person who gives once a month because they're a check? You know, they give once a month or they pay is once a month or whatever. And all of that's fine. I think Paul is just simply making a point. And the reason Paul is making this point about get your gift ready and before I come, because you have to understand that in the early church, they worked and they were paid day wages. So at the end of the day, you got your money. You went home. You put your money in the cookie jar. And then on Saturday, you go in the cookie jar and I got to pay this, pay that, pay that and do this. I'm going to give this to the Lord. And you took that money and you went to church and you put it in the offering. So they got money every day. We live in a different. A different economy. We have, uh, you know, people get paid once a month. People have direct deposit uh, from their check or whatever, and then they set it up to the employer to come straight to the church. There's many ways to give, but the overarching principle that Paul is trying to help us to understand is that we are to get our gift ready and let us not get it ready when we come to church. Because there's quite honestly nothing more. I'm, look, I'm human, okay? And this happened. I walk by the offering box. I'm going out the door with everybody else. And, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And somebody's sitting by the offering box. You know they're on the back walls of facility. Mark ties an offering. You can give online, which is easy, convenient, and. So I walk by. And they're writing their checkout. They're sitting by the offering box. Oh, I can get my check. They're writing their checkout. I'm human. I can't help it. If they're writing their checkout, I got to look over. You know, you're human. Come on, y'all. Somebody's writing a check and you just walk by and you're, hey, and, hey. <laughs> oh, you need to add a zero on there. You kind of cheap, ain't you? <laughs> I mean, we're human. So when you get it ready, here's another reason why to get it ready. Because if you don't have it ready and then you're walking out the door, you go, oh, I forgot to give. Now you're scrambling through your purse or through your wallet or whatever. And you got this chunk of money and it's balled up and then you stick it in. And, and there's no purpose in that. It's not purposeful giving. It's just giving your change or giving your leftovers. Paul said, may it be prearranged. Let's move forward. Point number two, a giving should be prepared. Well, this goes together with prearranged. Let each one of you lay something aside. We just read it. The Greek language reads, keep something aside. Not just a one-time thing. Again, in that culture, they got paid every day. And then they would give it on the first day of the week. Keep something aside. Okay, number three. Our giving, we're talking about seven principles of giving. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Our giving should be proportional. (laughs) Proportional. As God has prospered you. That means you're giving according to the way God has given to you. So has God poured out abundantly on you? Then you give abundantly. And if you're having a hard time and you're barely making it, then your gift can be reduced proportionately. But every one of us, and here's my point, every single one of us can afford to give something. Two people say amen. We can all give something. And again, the reason why we all don't give something because we're overspent. Or we spend our money on Starbucks. 
Starbucks? I don't drink coffee. But I think it was first service, somebody was telling me a Starbucks grande is like five bucks. Is that five? Five bucks. And some folks do Starbucks grande with the whipped cream. They charge extra 25 cents for the whipped cream. Do they do all that? Yeah, they do. Y'all just don't know it. Okay. And you do that twice a day. Well, think about it. If you just do it twice a day. If you just do it once a day. And you do it five days, that's $25 that you are giving to Starbucks. That doesn't include your lunch. So then you get a ham sandwich. And you get extra cheese on that. Do they charge you for cheese? Yeah. And you get a ham sandwich and you get a little croissant. <laughs> I'm working here, people. Croissant. Of croissant. And by the time you add up all of that, listen, then we come to church and we say, oh, I don't have nothing to give to the Lord. How about this? How about I have one less lunch per week? Your lunch and your snacks and all that, that's like 15 bucks right there per day. You understand what I'm saying? We can all afford to give something. It's just a matter of what our priorities are. We can all give something. Somebody say amen. But your giving, here's the point, should be proportional. God is not interested in the size of your gift. He's interested in your heart. Say amen. amen. And you can only afford to give what you can afford to give. And God, I'll say this one last time. You're not going to hear it from me again for a while. God does not expect you to give what you do not have. God expects you to give what you do have. And lots of preaching in the pulpits. And y'all know I know what I'm talking about. They tell you God expects you to give what you don't have. No matter what you give to God, you let your electric bill go off. Your electric go off, but you give that money to God. That's not the Lord. Pay your electric bill. Pay your electric bill and then say, God, provide for me. And you get, pay your electric bill and then give what you can. If you have a penny, listen to me. If you have a penny, you bring that penny. You put that penny in that offering. And you say, God, I thank you. I can give you that penny. And don't you know when you are thankful and little, God will give you more? Don't you understand that? I think you understand it, but I don't think the preachers understand it. You give God what you do have. You don't give him what you don't have. Okay, number four. Our giving should be private. Private. No collections. In other words, don't give to be seen of men. Matthew 6, 1, 2. Read that in your own time. Also, watch this. This is a pretty profound thing Paul says. Don't give to be seen of men. Giving should be private. He says, no collections when I come. Paul says, I don't want an offering taken up. Now, why would he say that? That's an interesting statement. Why would he say that? No collections when I come. Because Paul knew, like most preachers know, are you listening to me? Paul knew, like most preachers know, that when you preach the word of God, watch this, the word of God in preaching has an impact on the hearts of people. And when you're preaching God's word, even right now, God's word is being sown into your hearts and it's having an impact on you. And if you are giving because you just heard a sermon and now you feel emotionally moved, that's not giving because you are willingly giving. That's a form of manipulation. And we see that a lot in the church, don't we? I've seen it a lot where people, you ever 
preaching sermons and people are running up to the stage throwing money and throwing, offering envelopes and money on the stage. And don't get me wrong. Throw money. Listen, if you feel led, come on, hook a brother up, okay? Look, if you feel led, I'm good with that. But listen, but never feel led when you're preaching the word of God. Now you can be manipulating people. Like right in the middle of a sermon, you come on up and you throw this money. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Paul says, I don't want that. I don't want manipulation. I don't want the money monitor in the lobby. I don't want people taking up money. I don't want a circus of collecting money when I come. I want you to do it. I want it to be private. And I want you to do it before I come. So there's no emotional element. Somebody say amen. And people are moved and impacted emotionally giving. Paul said, I don't want emotional givers. I want some to give from the heart. So do it in private. Number five, our giving should be generous. I'm almost done. Don't be cheap. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be cheap. <laughs> Y'all should see that from where I sit right here. It's, it's, it's like the coolest thing. People look, they go, don't, don't be cheap. Don't be cheap. <laughs> Give generously. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God is a generous God. Somebody say amen. And he loves generous people. Proverbs eleven twenty five. write that down. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. You know, I believe when you give to God, God will give to you. I don't understand it, but I believe it, and I live by it. There are many things about God I do not understand. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. So the very things that we don't understand about God makes him God because he's above us and we are not God. So there are many things I don't understand about God, but I believe it. There are many things I don't understand about I don't understand engines, but don't stop me from getting in my car starting it. Say amen. I don't understand gravity, but it don't stop me from getting out the bed. Well, some of y'all it does, but okay, fine. Me, not so much. I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand women, but I'm married. Church finger. There's many things that I don't understand. And listen, and listen, and I don't understand this. And here's, here's the deal. I'm already real serious, real serious. I don't understand giving to God and how God's going to get that back to me. And how I don't understand it, but it shouldn't stop us from doing what God tells us to do because he's God and he under, God has ways of getting stuff taken care of. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. I'm right about it. So, and if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly as well. And let me just say this. I'm almost done. Don't ever give to get from God. People will teach you to give to get. And they will quote, we looked at it last week, Malachi 3, 8. You give to God. How has a man robbed God? Oh, but you have robbed me in tithes and in offerings. Don't give to get. Never give to get. And surely if you give to me, they tell you, 
God is going to open up a window of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room to receive. Well, that's giving to get when you say give to God so he can give to you. You give to God and God will pour you out an escalade that you won't have room to receive. God's going to pour you out that bling bling that you have not room to receive. This is what they want you to believe. Let me tell you something, saints. That's not giving, that's investment. I'm not that smart. I'm not the brightest bulb in the lamp, the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I will tell you something. I know the difference between giving and investment. Okay, giving to God is saying, God, here's what I have, and I'm giving in a proportion to what you have given me. And God, you've blessed me this week, so I'm giving you more this week. I'm doing whatever. And God, take, and it's not enough. God, you've been so good. You've been so gracious. You've been so merciful. If I had more, I'd give it. That's also cheerful giving, by the way. Come on, do it right. Do it right. You don't give to get. We get to give. That's good. Write it down. We don't give to get. We get to give. And then number six, our giving should be free. I talked about this. Not forced, not coerced. The church has made giving to God a painful and distasteful thing, haven't they? Preachers tell you to dig deep. I've heard it all. Preachers tell you, you know, God doesn't like that cha-ching. He likes the sound of Chris Dollar Bill's snapping. He, the God is friends with the Benjamins. I have heard it all. That is not free giving. Somebody say amen. That is coercion. That is manipulation. And I've told you, and I tell you again, if you've ever received, if you ever felt like you were manipulated by me or by a pastor on staff here or someone teaching from the pulpit, if you ever felt manipulated to give, please see Pastor Lance. He will give you back your money. Up to a certain dollar amount. (laughs) We might be able to go back a month or two, but don't think we're going back no years, okay? We ain't got no budget for that, all right? If if you're going back years now and you just chalk it all up to you gave it to the Lord and leave it, say amen. Okay, lastly, our giving should be cheerful, hilarious. Listen, this is not like LOL, not like ROTFL, rolling on the floor laughing, not like that. That's weird. When you give, you should give cheerful. It just means to be happy. Lord, I wish I could give you more. That's all it means. And can I give you one more? Just lastly, our giving should be full of grace giving. Write that down. Grace giving. Again, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. It teaches giving which can be more than tithing. We talked about that at great length last week. So we can all give something. In the early church, people gave from their hearts. And we have the opportunity to give because God has given to us. And we never give out of law. We always give out of love and grace. Jesus said, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. And it was Jesus who said, freely you have received, freely give. Giving is an act of faith. God, I believe what I give to you, God, you will provide according to your riches and glory. Giving is an act of worship. Giving tells the Lord, I love you and I thank you. Giving is an act of obedience. Why? Because Jesus said, do it. Somebody once said, 
They couldn't afford to give. I say you you can't afford not to give, to obey the word of God. How many of you believe when you give to God, God will give to you? How many of you believe that? Right? So we give as God has prospered. You don't, don't let people put you under a burden. If you're visiting our church and your first time here, whatever, or you go back to your home church or any, any, any preacher, any pastor, anybody, I don't care. You don't let people put you under a burden when it comes to giving. God wants us to give from our hearts. And if you don't have it, don't give it. But if you do have it, God expects you to give it. And when you give to him, he will always, always, always take care of his people. Am I right about it, saints? I know I'm right about that. I believe that. He'll always give to you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.